everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Fully Free with Ashley, the podcast bringing you all insights into mental health, women's health, hormonal balance, healing, wellness, and just motivating you to pursue your best life. I'm so excited about the episode tonight. I'm just going to take a moment to introduce my wonderful guest speaker and then you'll hear from her yourself. Hey everyone, tonight we're here with my friend Amanda, who I actually met online on Instagram. She's a wonderful dietitian from Connecticut, but now she lives in Texas. And tonight we're going to be talking a lot about women's health and um, women's cycles and how to support your cycle with mindset, nutrition, and movement. So uh, here's Amanda and she'll just introduce herself a bit. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat about all my favorite things. Um, So yeah, I'm a women's health dietitian. I help women figure out like, you know, where their specific hormone imbalances are coming from. I do lots of like investigation with functional lab testing. And then from there, we have all the information we need so we can really work on like specific nutrition changes, lifestyle changes and supplements. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much what I do. That's so amazing. I love that so much. And you were one of the first accounts that I found online. I don't even remember how, probably like a hashtag or something. (laughs) And uh, I was just looking at all your very informative posts. And I just wanted to ask like how you got really interested in functional health. So I was actually, it was when I was in school, like I was originally going to school for nursing. I got super into like fitness and nutrition. So I switched to dietetics because I was like, I want to make this my career. And while I was in uh, dietetic school, I was like sitting in class and learning about the birth control pill and how it depletes nutrients. And I was like, wait a minute, like I've been on the pill for seven years and no one has ever told me this. And so a lot of those nutrient deficiencies can be linked to like anxiety, depression, that kind of stuff. And that's what I was currently dealing with. And I couldn't figure out why. And I was like, maybe it's just stress from school. Um, And then I looked a little bit deeper. And then I got obsessed with learning more about the birth control pill. I got off of it eventually. And that just kind of led me down a whole hormonal chaos path. Um, I'm sure many people listening can relate. And no one could really help me. Like, no, everyone just said, go back on the pill. Like, I lost my period. So I had like post pill PCOS. Um, my thyroid was a mess and my skin was so bad. Like I always struggled with acne, but when I got off the pill, like it was the worst that I'd ever been. And like, everyone's like, just go back on the pill. You'll get your period back. Your acne will go away. And I was like, that's not good enough. Like, I don't want to take synthetic hormones that shut down my own hormone production. And that's when I was like, I need to learn everything I can one to like heal my own hormones. Right. Like I was pretty much a mess. And that's when I just felt like I realized how little people know about women's bodies and how like we're really just given band-aids for things and it just made me want to change that so I changed my whole focus to women's health and hormones and that's kind of how I got where I am now that's so amazing and like when you're going through so many things like that it's like you don't know when you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel but I feel like there's really always a reason for things that happen and like you wouldn't be so passionate or maybe you would still be very passionate but not as passionate if you couldn't relate to like your clients and everyone you're trying to help because you've like been through it like I was so interested in sports nutrition Mm -hmm. because I was um I was a rower at UConn and so I was an athlete all I cared about was sports nutrition I did CrossFit I used to compete in it and that was like my focus and then when I started to get my own taste of like hormone issues and how 
like no one cares about women's health really honestly either it just seemed like no one cared everyone's like get over it like I had terrible periods really bad cramps once I finally got my period back and no one cared so I think I don't know if I would have really have gotten so into it I think maybe later in life but I was so focused on sports at the time that it just was like it came out of nowhere but it was definitely meant to be because I love what I do now and I get to meet so many cool women kind of like along the way and help them so it's really neat that's so amazing and I didn't even know like I knew you were into CrossFit from just browsing your Instagram a bit but I didn't know like you were an athlete and all and all that before and I relate to that a lot too um before I studied like kinesiology or phys ed and health but I originally was really interested in like sports nutrition too or something like that but I didn't end up switching into it um, but it's funny how things change. Like, even though they, they come from a similar place, just your reason why changes so much after everything you've been through. Um, and just going off that, um, do you have anything else you want to add before we just start talking about like some other random things about women's periods? I don't think so. Okay. I think that's pretty much like kind of how I got here a little bit about my history. I've been doing this for like seven years, eight years now. So that's so cool. Do you, like, partner with anyone in, like, traditional medical sense in the States, or is it just, like, all on your own? I don't because I am technically, like, traditional medicine because mm-hmm. I'm also – I'm a registered dietitian, but I just, like, happen to, like, have the functional medicine degree and focus, too. Um, I have – I do have a podcast with my friend, though. That's kind of – we do that together. It's a Balanced Babes podcast, and, like, we talk about women's health stuff, too. She's more, like, fertility – kind of like stress self-care type stuff but that's awesome yeah, I mean, she, and she's in new york so okay cool so i'll i'll link that in the bottom of this podcast too cool. awesome um okay so i wrote some things down but like i'm sure we'll just go off on random tangents and have yeah. fun and stuff because that's what we do when we love what we talk about um but i thought just because not everyone knows like what the phases of a woman's cycle are and like why they matter would you mind going into that a bit and explaining like hormonal fluctuations and what changes and why it matters yes and this is something like I feel like keeps coming up like I, I go through cycle syncing and stuff with my clients but mm-hmm. lately like I think there's a lot of stuff online about like and I even have so many posts on like foods to eat for your menstrual phase follicular phase you know but like it's like there it's so much more than that when you start to like learn about your cycle so there's four phases of the menstrual cycle or even just like your whole monthly cycle. And I think that's something that like a lot of women don't know. I definitely did not know that. Um, And what that really tells us is like our hormones fluctuate a lot. So we live in a society that tells us we need to show up and be the same every single day. And we often expect that from ourselves because we, it's like such a masculine kind of like energy in the world. Um, And so that's why learning about this stuff can be so, so helpful because you get to learn the shifts that are happening inside your body and then what you can do to like support them and feel your best. So the first phase is the menstrual phase. It is obviously when we have our period, it's the first day that you're like a full flow bleeding. So like if you, if you're spotting that doesn't count, it would be like your day one of your cycle is the first day of full bleeding. And during the menstrual phase, our hormones are actually their lowest. So we are the most similar to a man, which I think is so crazy because it's like we feel like the complete opposite um and so our hormones are super low our bodies are not as like great at handling stress at this point because we're very intuitive our our left and right hemispheres of our brain like the lining between them actually thins so like they communicate more 
So that's why you can feel crazy when you have your period because your brain, your left and right hemispheres are talking to each other more, which if you know that, like spending lots of alone time, trying not to overdo it, you know, like if you have a big day at work, making sure you carve out some time to relax later, like take a bath or read a book or whatever, because your body cannot handle as much stress at this point. Um, But it can be a super enjoyable time if you slow down and let it be. And I think that's like, the key when it comes to cycle people are always like how do I start like getting to my cycle I'm like first things first just rest on your period as much as you can even just the first day is so helpful and that helps set you up for success the rest of your cycle because if you are not depleting yourself right in the beginning you're gonna feel so much better so that's kind of like menstrual phase once your period ends you're getting into the follicular phase and so this is when your hormones are starting to rev up again we're making estrogen because we need to make a follicle which is why it's called the follicular phase and that estrogen is going to surge and then that triggers ovulation which is the next phase that's when we release the egg and then once we release that egg we make progesterone which is why ovulation is so important um, because that's how we balance out estrogen and progesterone and then you're in your luteal phase so four phases your hormones are changing it's really like estrogen dominant and then you kind of move into ovulation with all your hormones are super high and then luteal phase is progesterone mostly thank you so much for that yeah so I think it's really fascinating too that we don't learn a lot about it like I do recall learning a bit like in about the human body and like maybe a little bit about the cycle in high school but it was like the bare bare minimum like this is what happened in eggs release like whatever like nothing going into a lot of depth and then literally nothing talking about how it would affect our mood or like our experience of ourselves and I think also growing up as like an athlete like it didn't matter what part of your period you were on or like what part of your cycle you're at like you're expected to perform I don't care if you have cramps I don't care if your breasts are tender like whatever because those are side effects especially when you're growing up and going through so much um, bodily changes but it was actually like two years ago I found it was more of like a spiritual book that I found um it's called wild power and it was just on the four phases of the woman the woman's cycle and how to honor that like spiritually and how to really slow down and tune into what you need and I think it was my experience with that that really opened up to really opened up for me how important it is to rest like I feel so much better when I honor like okay the first couple days that I get my period I literally am just gonna like I don't want to really socialize I don't want to go out or do a hard workout and then after I feel so much better because I actually honored that but I'm I hope as we move forward in society and more people know about this that it's more widely accepted and known like on a broad level like not just women saying they need something or like dismissed in that sort of way you know yeah and it's like it's one thing it's like starting to slowly get more and more talked about like even if we think I mean at least in the U.S. like we have a tax on tampons I don't know if you guys have that um Um, we we just have tax on everything (laughs) so it's called like it's called like the tampon tax or the pink tax or whatever yeah like cute name you want for it and they actually still have it in texas but i went to a rally and like where they're trying to get rid of it like there's i think there's still like 34 states that have a tampon tax so it's like it's just like another thing it's like okay so we have periods every month we still have to go to work because and and some women have period problems and they lose their jobs over it Mm because they have to miss work it's like it's just like another barrier you know, and it's like, I feel like it's kind of coming and people are kind of getting it. But then like my husband's in the military and I'll go talk to just like regular people and they're just like, they have no clue. And all the women have so many health issues and I'm just like, okay, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, hopefully we can change that. 
Yeah, one person at a time and then one podcast at a time, <laughs> spreading awareness. People just Google it and then find it. I really believe that. Um, okay, so just going off of after you described just the phases of the cycle, are there specific like recommendations you have with uh, nutrition for each cycle? Like I've seen you post things, but what are your like favorite recommendations to give for, to support each part of the cycle? Yeah, and it, it's like... Eating whole, like, I, there are so many cool things you can do. I would say, like, if the idea of that overwhelms you, just eat real whole foods for the majority of the time, and, like, you'll be fine. Um, but, like, for the menstrual, specifically, like, menstrual phase, like, I love including lots of, like, ginger, turmeric, anti-inflammatory things because it's just going to help, especially if you have cramps, like, make ginger tea. It, ginger, there's so much research around it. It's so anti-inflammatory and it's been proven to be like more effective than something like Motrin, which is so cool. Um, or like ibuprofen. So definitely considering including that. And it's a really important time to include red meat or like some sort of animal protein, because you have to remember like we are shedding a layer of our body, right? So we are basically being depleted um, and we're losing a lot more iron than our bodies are used to. So getting really good iron sources, if you're like more vegan, vegetarian, then you can go for like the leafy greens and just make sure you put citrus, like some citrus on it because it helps you absorb the iron better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like non-heme iron in plant-based foods, so it's not as absorbable. Um, and don't drink coffee or tea with your food because you won't absorb the iron it like binds to it but I would say like those are great places to start and just like having food prepped you know like I I try not to like do a ton when I'm my period I of course I've like got to work and do like client calls and stuff so I try to make everything else like easy during that time so that might mean like buying pre-prepped food it might mean like making food ahead of time but trying to like do things that just make your life a little bit slower easier and like not as stressful um and especially when it comes to your food just having it available because usually like our blood sugar can kind of go get out of whack so like eating you know protein fat and carbs at your meals balancing them out um and stuff like that like that that's probably like my favorite and then cacao because it's got magnesium it's great for the menstrual phase um and then as you move into like the rest of your cycle like follicular phase you basically just think about what's happening so like if we know estrogen is increasing during this time to build that follicle like it's not a bad thing. I think estrogen gets a bad rap. We mm-hmm. need it. It's very important. It's important for our gut health too. But a lot of women struggle with too much, or they don't detoxify it properly, and so it just kind of hangs out. So like cruciferous veggies are amazing because they have a compound called DIN, and it's not like super concentrated like in a supplement, but it's just enough so that it can help support that estrogen detox. Black seeds are amazing because they also help support estrogen detox. Um, and then just supporting the gut because if you do have a little bit too much estrogen, it can be irritating for the gut. And so like fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, apple cider vinegar, stuff like that, those are all like super great during that follicular phase. And then like going into like ovulation luteal phase, they're pretty much the same. Like your hormones are very high, right? So like our hormones are higher. Our liver has a lot more to process. So again, cruciferous veggies are great dandelion root dandelion greens are amazing especially like closer to the your period like the end of that luteal phase because a lot of times if you don't make enough progesterone which a lot of us don't then you get bloating so like progesterone is a natural diuretic if you don't have enough you can get super bloated so like add some dandelion root in cruciferous veggies are great like balance your meals 
when you're in that luteal phase, like we tend to have more cravings. So like if you really, really struggle with that, like one, it's normal. Like that is like the only time it's normal to have cravings is like right before your period, mm-hmm. right? Like that's when you don't have to worry. Like so many women are like, oh my gosh, I have such bad cravings. I'm like, it's okay. Like your body's burning a little bit more than it typically is and you have a lot more hormones. So I usually say like have a healthy treat made, you know, like have something like make like a homemade fudge or like I love making like black bean brownies. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff that's simple even or even just like a chia pudding like a chocolate chia pudding like it doesn't have to be complex and then you can fulfill that craving also if you really struggle like add a little bit more starchy carb to your meals around that time because that will also help if you're not eating enough or you're restricting your carbs especially during that luteal phase like you're probably not going to feel great so that's like kind of another thing um but I would say, like, that's kind of how you balance it out. You can't go wrong, though, like, always including cruciferous veggies and, like, like pasture-raised beets and, like, fermented foods. Like, you can't go wrong with that. But if you're someone that, like, I find that some women do really well trying to specifically focus on certain foods for certain phases just because they're more mindful of, mm-hmm. like, where they're at in their cycle. Okay, thanks so much. That was so much insight. And um, just – one question going off on that because you're talking about flaxseed a bit. Do you believe in seed cycling, like for the two phase, like the main phases, follicular and luteal phase? Yeah. So if you can, so I do. I have had a lot of success with seed cycling. Um, I just get a lot of women that have either low estrogen or high estrogen, so they'll do flaxseeds like their whole cycle. I think that seed cycling is great. It keeps you mindful of where you are in your cycle. But any, if you're, you can include flax seeds all the time, you know, or like if you're just including seeds on a regular basis in your diet, I think it's beneficial. Um, some women like get really overwhelmed and they're like, I don't know when to switch and like, I don't know what day I'm on. And then they can't make it consistent. So I'm like, just start with flax seeds, you know, freshly ground two tablespoons a day to start out, especially if you get like acne around your period. Flax seeds are super helpful for that. Um, and then you could, you know, as you get more comfortable with the habit, it's like then switch to like flax seeds and pumpkin seeds and then sesame seeds and sunflower seeds the second half. But no matter what, the seeds are going to be beneficial. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I actually just started doing flax seed like all throughout the cycle though, um, like a couple months ago and I really like it. And then I'm just starting now like trying to add in the other seeds, like trying to switch. But I haven't been like, oh, I'm at this phase, I'm going to switch. So yeah. we'll see. But I definitely really like flaxseed. I think it's been very helpful. It's so cool because whether you have low or high estrogen, it can help. Like it can help naturally raise your good estrogens and it can also help detoxify if you have too much. So it's just like it's such a powerful food. That's so cool. Um, what do you think about phyto- like phytoestrogens like in foods for in terms of for women's health and their their period and stuff? And even so- soy. Like soy as an yeah. example. Oh God, there's so much crap around soy. <laughs> I know. It's like so ridiculous. So all of that stuff has been disproven. Yeah. But like it's very difficult because it the it was out there for so long. Like so many people got the message of like I shouldn't eat phytoestrogens, and I'm sure we'll get some messages, and you're probably gonna get some emails from people. But if you look at the research, like go on PubMed.gov. Yes. And look up phytoestrogens and you will see so much research and like even with soy like I'm not the biggest fan of soy just because it tends to be heavily processed Mm -hmm. 
Um, and some people react to it. Like, some people just have, like, a sensitivity to soy. Same thing with, like, gluten. You know, like, a lot of people are more sensitive to gluten, dairy, stuff like that. If someone doesn't have a problem with soy, I'm like, do the fermented soy. It's, it's less processed. It's easier to break down in your body. Um, but with phytoestrogens, like, they don't actually increase or decrease estrogens. And now we understand, like, flax seeds, like, we understand how they work. And some of them are more beneficial than others as far as, like, estrogen detox. But they're not, like, mimicking estrogen in the body. Um, and people that are worried about that, I'm like, look at your skincare products. Okay, those have xenoestrogens, <laughs> and those are way worse for you. So kind of focusing on that. Yeah, focusing on non, non-toxic um skincare products and like perfume or even like anything you use in your household it's crazy I'm looking more into that now too I'm like uh I don't want to come across as a hypochondriac but like we could choose better options that are like safe to inhale (laughs) you think about it well because those are going to impact your hormones more than something with phytoestrogens is yeah so what are some other examples of food that have phytoestrogens other than flax like that would have a traditional bad rep but aren't i would say like flax and soy are probably the most common there's actually a lot of foods that have like beneficial phytoestrogens like sweet potatoes a ton of vegetables do i'll often like recommend these to clients that have low estrogen i'm like try to increase your intake of these um but they're not like they're not as high in them as something like flax seeds or soy Okay. all the research on that is pretty conclusive now that they're fine okay thanks i love that and i love i've just been learning a lot about um, different foods in general and I had like bad perceptions of of ba- like a lot of foods like even dairy like now I understand it so much more about like how it's processed and like obviously each individual is different like someone might be allergic and it's better to avoid it but like not everyone has to and just learning more about like how how society portrays something and then it just gets carried away and then accepted as truth without like actual factual medical studies behind it yeah and it's also like so there's a lot of research around like anti-inflammatory diets and I was just talking to a colleague about this and like yes like are they really great especially if someone's doing like a gut healing protocol or like really trying to improve their hormones in a specific time frame you know that they're working with you but there's such a fine line between like being restrictive for like health purposes to just being like way too crazy restrictive Mm -hmm. and people even when I first started like I really thought I was taught that you have to be a hundred percent like on with your plan or it won't work but I've seen with myself because I have I have like a very disordered eating past like Mm -hmm. I mean it's it was a long time ago but like it's still like is something that I think about especially because I only work with women and like everyone struggles with that so it's like I'm always kind of thinking like I'm not going to be super strict like I'm going to do things from a good place you know like for the right reason but if I want something I'm going to have it because I don't need to restrict myself and it's like it's so tricky but I really do think you know when I was talking to my friend it's like it's such is it really helping you heal like if you're being so stressed out about your food and being super restrictive like are you really healing I feel like if you're following a protocol it's easier because you're working with someone that's helping you but I know so many people that like message me on Instagram or comment on my posts and they're like oh I thought like I stopped eating like lignans and like or on AIP like the autoimmune paleo protocol and like nothing is helping and it's like maybe you're just taking out too Too much instead of like yeah you need to focus on what you're adding in like not what you're taking away yeah and I think just going off that note like even coming from myself like 
working with so many practitioners and like trying to get to the root cause of some of my own hormonal imbalances like test don't guess if you can afford it and like when this all started when I first ever like lost my period I was like trying to be vegan which I spoke about a bit in my last podcast but I was having such bad digestion issues like the worst ever for like a full year like I was like oh my god I can't even like if I'm if I'm eating I can't plan to go out there because like I just can't like I have to like plan things around and I really think it was because I had cut down my calories so much I was just eating so many like fibrous vegetables that like that ruined my hormones because I was so restrictive like I'm only eating this and that made it worse but I didn't know like so educating yourself and then working with someone I think is so important when if you're really really struggling and like looking at you know I think our first thing is food and I think it's so important like obviously food is super powerful but if you're only finding yourself like removing foods like I get by the time women come to see me a lot of them are like yeah I'm I'm like only eating like 10 things and that's really crazy when you think about it like 10 like they're restricted to like 10 foods otherwise they get reactions to other foods or they took a food sensitivity test that tells them they're allergic to everything and it's like that means that you have a leaky gut and that you need to fix your digestion not necessarily that like you can't eat anything or that all foods are bad for you yeah and I've seen and heard multiple people say oh I got this tested and I'm like I react to this 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 and then they just cut everything out and then like they just think they can never eat those things again so what do you suggest like and how does that tie into period health too if it does it does so like gut health and period health are like one and the same and that's a lot of our hormone issues that affect our periods come from the gut so like think about it like you we break down and absorb our food in our gut that's what we build our hormones out of there are building blocks so if we don't if we can't digest our food properly and absorb it we aren't getting those building blocks and that leads to like stress in the body and lower hormone levels I also see lots of inflammation in the gut like if you have an infection like a parasite or pathogen yeast overgrowth that increases inflammation that increases estrogen and that can give you all the crazy symptoms of like PMS make it really hard to lose weight acne like mood changes all that kind of stuff um and it can also do the opposite where you just get burnt out because you have so many issues with your gut that your hormones are very depleted because when we're in a stress state our body prioritizes stress and not reproductive hormones um and as far as like I get this question all the time and I recently I did a podcast with my friend Sarah on this and it was about gut health how to heal the gut and like why you can't just do an elimination diet and like a food sensitivity test because if you do a food sensitivity test like it's one piece of the puzzle I'm not saying that they're terrible but like you are all you're seeing is how inflamed your gut is like you're seeing like if you react to like a ton of foods that shows like that there's a lot of big food particles getting around that's creating these food sensitivities Mm -hmm. so you have to support your digestion so that you're breaking the foods down properly but you also have to like see where your immune system is at like i use a gi map it's a stool test and it's dna based do not go do biome or these other stool tests that you can get they don't tell you anything they just tell you if like they give you generalizations they don't give you specific data on certain types of bacteria so support digestion fix any imbalances in the gut support your immune system and then looking at like are you like what other lifestyle stressors do you have and like how do you replenish the good bacteria because I think a lot of times people are like oh I'm just gonna do this elimination diet but you should be able to add foods back in like if you shouldn't be sensitive to everything forever that just shows that your gut's not working 
Yeah, and I love this topic so much. I can't, like, I love learning about it. I swear I could talk about it for, like, five hours or the whole day. And I'd be like, oh, my God, so much time passed. But I just think it's crazy that there's so many people that don't know anything about this. And, like, I wouldn't have known anything about this two years ago either. It's like, oh, gut health, like, go to the doctor and do a stool test. And they test for, like, I don't know, two parasites or something. Oh, you're fine. And it's like, no, but there are so many people out there who are, like, I don't know, struggling with digestion, like, bloat severely after meals, like, and they, they don't get any resolution because they're just dismissed at doctor's offices, and even their complaints about their periods are dismissed, like, oh, you have, like, you're lucky you have a period, whatever, like. Or take the pill. Yeah, exactly. Take the pill, that's you the favorite one. You know what I see a lot, too, with bloating is, like, I've seen more doctors test for SIBO now. Yeah. Because I feel like it's more well-known. So, like, people, like, getting bloated immediately after a meal is, like, a very common symptom of SIBO, which is when you have small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So, like, we shouldn't have bacteria in our small intestine. And when we do, they're basically, like, we do all of our food breakdown and absorption in our small intestine for the most part. So when there's bacteria in there, it, you just get super bloated because they're eating that food that they shouldn't be having. So I've seen more doctors test for SIBO and then they'll give you like rifaximin, which is like an antibiotic that only trigger, it only gets your small intestine. So like it doesn't kill all the bacteria in your large intestine, which is nice. But then their whole reason why they had the bacteria in their small intestine in the first place is because of the bacteria in their large intestine is imbalanced. So it's like, it's like we're getting there, you know, like they're starting to learn. Baby like, steps. Okay, yeah, like you have SIBO, let's treat your SIBO, but then they just keep getting treated for it over and over. And then they end up with like hormone imbalances and thyroid issues because their bodies are just so taxed. Wow, I didn't, I didn't, I've heard about SIBO a lot actually. I was just recommending someone, um, my mom's friend look into it because her main symptom was getting really really bloated after meals especially carbs um but it's just I didn't know all the connections between like the small intestine and the large intestine so that's very interesting and I feel like no one knows about that so thanks for (laughs) shining some insight there and obviously like like you just said every single thing that happens in our gut and like our intestines and everything that affects our cycles as women so like how what are some signs that women can look for like in terms of their cycle changing or like symptoms that would indicate like there's something else going on that they should look into? I would still like, I love having women just track their cycles and like you can start off like really simple, just tracking like the start of your period and how you feel during that. Um, But like, I'm actually making a free guide right now. It's like uh, the modern woman's guide to a healthy period. And it goes through like eating for different phases of your cycle, how to track your cycle, what to look for, and all the questions I get about hormones. So it's like all in one place. But I would say like tracking your cycle, we get so much information from our cycles every month. So it's like, it's kind of like your report card. So like, if I even just think about the basics of like your period, and how long your cycle is from like day one to day one. So like 28 days is like your average, um, 24 days to 35 is considered normal. But I would say, like, get to know your normal. So, like, we were talking before we started recording, and it's, like, your cycles are every 30-ish days, which is amazing. And so, like, that's your normal, right? When you get a cycle that's longer, 35 days, it's still normal, but it's not your normal. So, you know that you ovulated later than you normally do and something's off. So, like, tracking the length of your cycle is huge and getting to know what's normal for you. Um, Looking at your period, like, how heavy is your period? If you have more than 16 fully soaked tampons, that's considered a heavy period. That is a lot of women, and it's a sign of just, like, 
usually estrogen dominance, but not always. Maybe you have low progesterone, um, but that's a sign. Having super heavy periods, really long periods, like longer than like seven days means you probably didn't ovulate. Um, and then if you can, like tracking your symptoms leading up to your period, like it gives you a lot of information because you get to see like, how did I feel this month? Because it's that time, that's when our bodies are like, they're sensitive. We have a ton of hormones going on. And so if you have imbalances, that's likely when you're going to experience a lot of those symptoms. So like, are you, what's your mood like? Like, how are your cravings? Um, What is your sleep like? You know, is that some people get insomnia before their periods, headaches, migraines, like tracking those symptoms. Because then as you make changes to your food, to your exercise, if you add a supplement in, monitoring the changes in your cycle is going to help you know if those are working for you. Yeah. Thank you. That's so amazing. Um, yeah, it's just, I've loved tracking my cycle. I only started because a few years ago when the only reason I ever went to the doctor in the first place was because I had really bad cystic acne. Like didn't know anything really, I knew what hormones were, but I didn't know like that, that could be specifically connected to certain things. And it was cool because no doctor that I've had from Canada had ever suggested this to me, but he was from the UK and he had like a background in like, I don't know, I think it was endocrinology or gynecology or something. So he was the one that literally just off the acne and like my eating disorder history was like, oh, let's test all your hormones and check for like PCOS and like to see if you're ovulating and stuff. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, okay. Like (laughs) I didn't understand at all. I'm like, all right, whatever you say. And then when I went in for the results, I had, um, Ironically, he didn't test estrogen and progesterone at that time, but I had, like, no LH, no FSH, um, slightly high DHEAS, and slightly high testosterone. So then he was saying, like, oh, it could be a crossover between, like, PCOS and, um, like, hypothalamic amenorrhea. Do you have a period? And I was like, yeah, I have a period. Like, it's normal. But I didn't realize at the time that it was not normal because although it was in the normal range, it was different every month. Like, it would be 26 days, 34 days, 25 days, 36 days. Like, it it seemed normal because it came, like, every few weeks, maybe a few days late, but I realized after that I was – they were anovulatory. So, for everyone that's listening, like, anovulatory means you didn't ovulate, so you you get a bleed still, but you didn't release the egg because the follicle didn't develop properly to be released or whatever. But I just – it was through this whole experience that I'm like, wow, I want to share so much about this because – like women just don't we just don't know enough we don't talk about it we're we're not uh expected to talk about it so I think it's so important and I think too like obviously periods are so important and I think it's a great place to start the conversation but if we really want to talk about how we make hormones and if your hormones are balanced it's ovulation mm-hmm. you know like yes that's yeah how, when we pass the egg then you make progesterone but if you aren't ovulating like if you have PCOS or if you have amenorrhea, it's like you're you're not going to be making that progesterone, and you just don't feel as good. Like it's our calming hormone. So if you have like a ton of anxiety, mood issues, like digestive problems, like that can be related to not ovulating and making enough progesterone. Thank you for that. Yeah, I always resort right to the period, and it's so true because if your ovulation's working smoothly, then the period will be a reflection of that. Your period's like an indication of everything else that did or didn't go right before. And- I saw someone do a post the other day. I think it was my friend Jenna, and she was like, it said, your period isn't late, your ovulation is late. Yes. And I was like, that's it. Yeah, that's like the number one. Everyone needs to read that. And if people want to learn about ovulation, because I think this is like mystical. When I first started learning about hormones, I was like, how the heck do I know if I'm ovulated? 
right? Mm-hmm. Because no one teaches you that. And it's it's kind of like this thing, like, some women just know. And I'm like, I have no clue. Like, yeah. literally, I was so out of touch with my body. And so the, one of the easiest ways to confirm it is through your basal body temperature. And so you need a thermometer that goes to the 100th degree. So instead of 98.6, it'd be like 98.65 or whatever. So um, that's how you can confirm it. You can predict ovulation with your cervical mucus which is like a whole other thing, Um, but you can't confirm ovulation until you take your temp because once you ovulate, you make progesterone, which increases our body temperature. So once you see that increase, like you'll see a change and it's very small and that's why you have to use that kind of thermometer. And then I would say, just put it in an app. Like there's so many like Flow, Kendara, they don't steal your data. So I would say like maybe start with those and then you can chart it and then you'll see like this change in your cycle of like, your temp goes up and it stays high and that's how you know like okay cool I ovulated yeah I I would love to get back into that the only time I ever tried to take my temperatures was the first time I had no period like the first time I had HA and I was like trying to convince myself maybe I'm still ovulating just not getting a period like before I knew like before I knew anything about hormones and I remember you were supposed to take it like in the morning right before you move or like it should be like right beside you so it's the best accurate reading yeah so it's like first thing in the morning before you get up which can be tricky so like this is this is the one thing that i wish it was easier for women and i actually use a temp drop it's like go it's like an armband and so you put it on at night and it monitors your temperature throughout the night and then you get this specific like basal body average in the morning and so you don't because like when you're only taking one temp if you take it at a different time like say you you sleep later one day, you get up earlier one day, if you drank alcohol, if you didn't get as good of sleep, if you kept waking up throughout the night, if you ate before, like so many things impact our basal body temperature. So it can be tricky at first. Um, And if so if someone's having a hard time, or if they're like, I'm not going to do that, or if you work the night shift, or if you have kids, so you're kind of getting up throughout the night, try a temp temp drop that's so cool I've never heard of that I definitely want one (laughs) look look them up it's it's cool it's like you don't even feel it on your arm um I got it because I was gonna I my basal body thermometer broke and then I was like I don't want to get another basal body thermometer that is like I usually get a more expensive one because it's more accurate it's easier to track Mm -hmm. um but I was like I'm probably gonna have kids in the next couple years so I wanted something that I could use like with a baby and that's why I got it Oh, that's so amazing. Thanks for that. I'm literally going to look that up right after because I totally want to do that. Because even when I've said I'm going to get back into temping, like I have literally a a thermometer beside my bed. I don't remember and I just haven't started the habit yet. So I'm just like, that's a great tool to know about. And I I don't know how it works um, in Canada, but like with your insurance, but people that have like HSA, flexible spending accounts, you can use that to buy like thermometers. Oh, okay, cool. I don't even know about that either, but I'll look into that too. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, and then I really wanted to ask about this because I love talking about this. Why is why do you think that like PMS is so normalized? Like oh, growing up, I was always like the idea that PMS is like fully normal, like everything horrible, like oh my god, your period, the world is ending. Like I need twenty five donuts. Like I'm so sick. <laughs> I have I have a migraine. I'm gonna throw up. Um, for me it was like really bad breast tenderness and low back pain and like in high school I got excruciating cramps sometimes and I threw up sometimes so my my sister got that too um like what why do you think it's become so like it's almost like a joke in society like oh 
I feel like it always has been. Yeah. Honestly, like, and I just think it's because, like, I know it sounds super cliche, but, like, we live in a man's world. Yeah. Like, we really do, and unfortunately, like, women, the crazy thing is that women are so smart. We have these times in our cycle where we are so intuitive and creative. Like, men can't even tap into that. Like, think about it. We can make a human. Like, it's, like, if I think about the female body, I'm like, everything in society should work around the female body, not the male body. Yeah. So, but I think the issue and where this comes from is that, it's not prioritized and like all this stuff is so hush hush like it's not so much anymore I think it's gotten a lot better mm-hmm. but if we think about in the past like I was there's a really great Netflix special by Michelle Wolf. have you seen it no what's it called it's just I think it's Michelle Wolf is her name I don't know okay I'll look it up special but look her look it up because she talks about a lot of female stuff she talks about periods she talks about birth and it is like it it's funny like some of it like it sucks because it's like pms related but it's really cool that she's putting it out there right like people are starting to do that more but think about like when you got your period my mom was like did not tell me anything like i love her but she's amazing but like i got my period when i was 10 9 or 10 oh wow that's very young i didn't even know what it was i thought i was dying yeah oh my god i just remember my mom saying like that every month this is gonna come it's gonna suck like you're probably gonna have a lot of pain and like that's how it is you know yeah like you hide your tampons when you go to the bathroom or your pads like everything is hidden I made I made a joke about that the other day sorry keep going yeah keep going (laughs) I I used to put my tampons like yeah and go to the bathroom it's so stupid but like I think because it was so hush hush like people accepted it and like no one really dove into the difference with women's health and if you look at research just how research is done like and they only ever did research on men. Even now, it's hard to get studies with research done on women, and they almost always do it with them on oral contraceptive as a control. So I think that it's just our society. It's like living in a man's world. People don't want to talk about periods because they think that they're gross. Um, but now people are like, wait a minute, like the pill, like I don't want to be on the pill. It's not good enough for me. I, even though like I use it as birth control, which is how it's supposed to be used. So like if you're using it for that, cool. But I was like, there should be a better option that doesn't make me feel crazy or depressed. Um, and I think that now, says like our society is starting to like demand that, but it's just so new. Yeah, it, it is. And I've heard similar stories of like people get my friends getting their periods and like not knowing anything about it, and also a lot about the pill. Um, I my mom actually sat me and one of my best friends down when we were young and had like a girl talk with us about periods and stuff and like we had like this body book that was like everybody's different and like we had a little talk about it so it was really cute she was like very mindful and very um good with that and I remember when I got mine I didn't think it was period because it was like brown and I was like no that's not it and it ended up being it but anyway I, I totally relate to like hiding tampons everything being hidden and my joke the other day was just like I'm like I'm not hiding anymore like why are we hiding and I've gotten so passionate about this that I actually want to start creating something in like the education system in some way to like bring body awareness and hormonal health into the education system like whether it's as an external source or something I don't know how yet but I just think it could be so helpful you should follow bright girl health okay Instagram yeah I think she's in the UK but Mm -hmm. she does that that's like literally her whole thing oh my god that's so cool educates young girls um which I think is awesome 
And like, if anyone is a parent, just know that your daughter's period is not going to regulate until she's in her 20s. So like, don't put her on birth control to regulate her period. Like, it's normal that it's erratic and kind of crazy because her frontal cortex is not fully developed. And I, that is something I just wish people knew because they're like, oh my, the doctor's like, her period's so heavy or her period's irregular, she needs to go on oh, the pill. And it's yeah. like, her brain is not fully developed. Like, she doesn't need to go on the pill. I know, it's... It is crazy. Like, I remember I got the pill recommended because I had bad acne growing up too. Like, um, well, it wasn't, like, severe, severe, but it was more, like, my forehead. And then, um, actually, when I was, like, 12 or 13, I had severe chest and back acne. Like, absolutely covered. I, I was also training a lot for sports then, so I don't know if it was related to, like, adrenal activation early or something like that but I was like it like traumatized me at the time like I wouldn't go swimming like I'd wear a shirt all the time like no tank top like don't look at me and then I don't even know why it went or how it went away um but they recommended the pill like immediately too and my mom was my mom none of us in my family have ever been on the pill and my mom was against the pill since it came out but she didn't really have a reason like she's just like they don't know what what it does to you like bad things could happen from it like she so we just always stayed away from it and then it's funny how I found myself now like trying to talk my friends off it I'm like you don't need it like there's another way smart lady that's you know what some people just know and like I feel like if you've never if you're not on the pill you have hormones and you're you're more tied into your intuition Mm -hmm. so like it makes sense if like your mom never took it and always was able to thrive and have that natural cycle Mm -hmm. like she's gonna be much more prone to be like wait a second like that's going to do what to my body, you know, but it's, it's hard because the pill is so great because it allowed women into the workforce, but, and like, it gave us a choice, right? I took it and I didn't get pregnant in college and I'm very grateful for that, but like, I just think there should be better options, you know, and like, I know there's like a copyright idea. I had that for a while, but that messed me up too. And so it's like, there's, if we're just taught about our cycles, if we're taught that we're only fertile six days a month, like, I just think it's not that difficult, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Less, <laughs> less um, almost shame around it and just more open discussion, like, for all genders, too, not just women. Like, for men to be included in that education, too. I know. <gasps> I'm like, you're fertile every day. I'm fertile six days a month. Like, why am I the only one that cares about birth control? Yeah. It's, that should be, like, a tagline on a, <laughs> some type of front page article. But Make t-shirts, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We could talk about that later. <laughs> okay. I think that's basically like it. Cause I think we talked about so much. Um, yeah. Do you, and do you have anything else you want to add or like before I just ask a couple of final questions about you? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I would just say like, if anyone's listening to this and kind of feeling overwhelmed, like just start getting curious, start paying attention to your cycles. Don't, like it doesn't have to be a ton of your time it doesn't have to be like a huge effort but even if it is like a little bit of a time and energy investment like it, you're worth it and like you're learning about your cycle is so worth it it's like the best kind of like resource you know it's, it's like I do lab testing with clients but like they also track their cycles really diligently because it gives us more information so I would just say if there's gonna be one thing you take away like definitely start doing that Okay, thanks so much. That was, like, basically what I was going to ask. My last question was going to be, like, what's your number one tip for women listening to help them, like, prioritize taking care of themselves? And you basically read my mind and answered it. So perfect. Um, But, yeah, um, you don't have to hang up yet, but I'll just um, say thank you to all the listeners on the podcast for tuning in. And thank you, Amanda, so much for your time. Uh, This was so much fun, and I can't wait till we connect again in the future because I'm sure we have a lot of other topics to talk about. Yes. Yes.
All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm actually fired up from that episode. That was a wonderful conversation. So much fun. Uh, Thank you to every single person again for listening, for carving time out of your day to support me as a speaker and just even as a friend or whether you just Googled this podcast and found something that can help you in your healing. I really hope that this podcast resonated with you tonight. I'm super excited about the next podcast that we'll be having, which will be out in the next couple weeks. And the topic is a surprise, so you'll have to wait to hear about that. Uh, Until then, I hope everyone listening has a very wonderful... I said I had wonderful so many times tonight. (laughs) I hope everyone has an amazing Christmas holidays, enjoying your family and friends and loved ones and all the food and all the happiness. And I can't wait to connect with you all again soon.